Hi, it's Brett Cowell and this is the Total Life Complete Podcast, coming to you from the Transformation Room at The Grove. Today I'm here with Casey Zeminski. Welcome, Casey. Hi, thank you. Thanks for coming along today. I met you a couple of weeks ago right here at The Grove and you told a wonderful story about your own life journey and then I uh, I, I asked you if you'd come in and talk on air on a podcast <laughs> and kindly I think you, you, you said that you would, so let's see how this goes. Great. Okay, so what I ask all my guests on, on the show is how do you introduce yourself at a party when people ask who you are? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, my name is Casey, and uh, usually that comes with the question of Cassie or Casey. Um, it gets mispronounced from time to time. So um, so that is my name. Um, I'm from Oklahoma originally. I've been in Texas um, for about nine years now, plus four years from college. Um, I feel like a lot of the times, maybe too much, we you know defer to what do you do? What's your job? Um, I'm a director of marketing and nonprofit currently. Um, married, no kids, no pets, no plants. So that's uh, perhaps <laughs> a little bit unique for for my age at this point. But um, I don't know. Those are a few of the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I'd like to know more about this plants and pets thing. <laughs> thing that, like, they, 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 you mentioned it. That's a you're going down a checklist there of things. <laughs> right. that, yeah, well, usually it's, you know, do you have kids? That's sometimes a question. The answer to that is no. Um, a little bit later, maybe there's a question about pets, and that's a no, too. So we just, my husband and I joke that um, we have a couple of houseplants alive. It's hard enough to keep those uh, alive and the two of our two of us uh, taken care of. So <laughs> we're focusing on that right now. You talked a little bit about what you do um, at the moment. And do you want to just say what that is a little more? Sure. Um, So currently I'm director of marketing for um, a nonprofit called the National Benevolent Association. Um, It's a health and social services arm of a Christian denomination here, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. Um, It's kind of like a Catholic Charities or United Way um, where we work with health and social service agencies um, that are affiliated with this particular church, um, help them start up. Um, We incubate uh, new health and social service projects, uh, come alongside existing ones, um, also start um, programs uh, with other partners uh, in the church. Uh, We have a a young adult nonprofit um, residency, a service residency for young adults, kind of like a gap year um, where they can um, be in a host community, live in intentional community with other young adults, um, do nonprofit internships in the community and kind of discern what's next for them. So a lot of different ways that um, that we work in community together. We'll just go back a little bit now to, so that's what you're doing now. And uh, you haven't always done that <laughs> as, right. as a job. So we'll go, we'll go back to, where did you start off where, where, when you were at um, high school or whatever? What did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've gotten to think about this a little bit recently, so it's a, a good question to ask. Um, so I, you know, I started. I was an only child. I uh, am an only child, and so I spent a lot of time on my own as a kid, reading, um, you know, writing stories, drawing pictures. You know, I feel like I had a lot of that childhood creativity and imagination uh, that entertained me, and you know, sort of. Um, kept me uh, out of the way from the adults or, or not bothering them and, um, and you know, was great for me as well. I always enjoyed that. And so, you know, when it came time to um, think about college and what I wanted to study, I uh, had some of those things in mind, some of those artistic things, even though they were um, more of a hobby than a real skill or talent, I guess. Um, but also, you know, got some advice from other folks, um, you know, that that I needed to be able to make a living and support myself. Um, So, you know, I also had sort of thought of those helping professions, teaching, uh, social work, counseling. Um, And so, you know, with with that advice from from adults in my life, uh, ended up going into advertising, uh, which was maybe not the best way to really make a living um, with lots of money, but it was a a profession, um, you know, that had some job prospects. uh, And, uh, you know, my parents didn't go to college. And so uh, it was really, you know, getting some of those advice from counselors and and other adults in my life um, that maybe a business route was the way to go. Uh, So for me, advertising was kind of a way that I could be in a creative space um, while still, you know, being able to... um, Put some of my more analytical and um, 
you know, practical skills uh, in place as well. Um, at my university, the communications programs were in the art school, uh, and so that was a great space to be in, to have that creativity around you, just walking to class and get to hear, um, you know, the, the orchestra students uh, practicing or see the dance studio as you walked by or, you know, see the art studio. And so I enjoyed being sort of a part of that, even if I was uh, on the account management track uh, in advertising. And I also added a journalism major, so, so those were my studies. Well, I was fascinated by that when I um, did some research on LinkedIn uh, and saw that you did uh, advertising and journalism. And I, th I was thinking here about a kind of spin and no spin, <laughs> keeping right. those two things in balance. But in, in 2017, I'm not sure which <laughs> which one's the spin and which right, one's the right. no spin. Yeah, I think you can meld them all into, into one sometimes. But So you, you left your undergrad degree and then... What happened then? Yes, so um, I uh, met my now husband uh, in undergrad, and he was going to law school uh, in the Bay Area. And so I had the chance to start my advertising career in San Francisco, which was uh, an amazing opportunity. Um, never thought growing up in a small town in Oklahoma that I would get to be living and working in, in California and in San Francisco. So that was really, uh, really a great start. The, the faculty that um, I had in the advertising program um, at SMU, Southern Methodist University, um, you know, were instrumental in connecting me to alumni and, uh, and contacts in San Francisco. So I was able to start at uh, a global agency there in account management, um, working on a variety of, of brands and of, of national and global accounts. So, you know, as a 22-year-old ad major, that was a really fantastic opportunity. Uh, and I was able to be there for two years, really learned a lot, um, you know, really enjoyed it and had those some of those surreal moments as I'm walking down the street uh, in San Francisco thinking, is this really my life? Is this, is this where uh, I get to be? Which was really great. Um, and then my husband graduated from law school and we decided to move back uh, to, to Texas, to Dallas, where his family was. And we have a lot of friends here. Um, and we, I think my, my last day was a Friday in April. This was 2008. Uh, and I think on that Monday, the agency where I had worked uh, had a whole rash of layoffs, uh, and so uh, it was sort of a you know foretelling of what was what was to come a little bit later that year and the next year. Um, but we we left and moved back to Dallas, and um, and I was you know interviewing for for jobs here in Dallas and advertising with a little bit of urgency because we were uh, moving into a you know a townhouse, getting married. Uh, he was studying for the bar, so he wasn't starting work for another few months. And so I felt this, you know, you need a job. <laughs> you need another job now, not really knowing that, you know, I was probably pretty fortunate to get hired again at that point, sort of before the recession really went into full effect here. And how was that? I mean, how were you feeling at the time? Um, did you still wake up in the morning thinking how fortunate you were to do that? So so that's when it that's when it kind of shifted. And I, um, you know, I think part of that was, uh you know, becoming a little bit more, getting to be a little more senior in my career. I think, you know, as an assistant account executive and as account executive, I got to be a little bit insulated from some of the bigger stress um, and, you know, drama working in advertising. Um, and as I, you know, advanced a little bit, um, you know, that environment sort of changed. It was a different agency with a different culture, um, you know, with some of the pressure of the recession, you know, coming down on it you know, in our industry, people are always saying, you know, marketing budgets are the first to get cut um, with that, you know, advertising and sort of the snowball effect of that. So, um, so it kind of all of those things sort of um, combined together that it was it was a different, a different culture in the agency and a different experience for me um, that that made it made me think more critically about is this really what um, what I want to do. Uh, the accounts that I was working on, um, you know, were not the most fulfilling for me. And on one hand, uh, they were great opportunities for, you know, a younger person working in account management in that they were the full service accounts. They were TV, radio, print, outdoor um, at the time. This is sort of, you know, uh, late 2000s. Um, full service advertising accounts um, and the agency didn't necessarily have a lot of those. So to get exposure to, um, you know, those sort of higher profile facets of advertising um, made them, you know, good accounts to to work on. Um, but the um, the clients that I was working with, the um, the products that we were selling, 
um, those parts of it were not fulfilling. And I think, you know, there are some folks in advertising who uh, are skilled enough and appreciated enough for, you know, creativity for creativity's sake. And, um, you know, those that can sell anything. But for me, you know, being a few years into my career at that point, um, I kind of started to realize maybe, you know, maybe this isn't isn't what I'm looking for if if all of those pieces aren't falling into place, if it's not a brand that I believe in, um, if it's not a client that I'm going to have a positive experience with who doesn't really appreciate my work or is not going to be, you know, polite and professional to interact with on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, is this is this really what I'm meant to do and, you know, sort of what I'm, what I'm meant to, to be and do with my education and, um, and, and to, you know, continue to pursue. And so that was, you know, the first time a few years into my career that, you know, I was kind of starting to have those thoughts. This thought process had started and I think, you know, you start a job and probably spend the first couple of years trying to work out what to do and be, be professional at it. And then uh, a couple of years down the track, it sounds like a couple of things had happened. you you went into a different role where you were exposed to more things. The environment had changed given the financial or crisis or just various things that had happened there. And, and also, I guess, you really could take a step back and look at what you were doing and, and look at what's ahead. I mean, did you, um, as, as part of that, did you kind of look around the company and, and say, oh, what jobs do I want to do? And, and, you know, how did the reality of what you were doing match up with, you know, this creative <laughs> desire that you'd had early on? Right, absolutely. Um, you know, I think um, when I when I accepted the job, you know, I only did a couple of interviews when uh, I was making the move from San Francisco to Dallas, and that's sort of in hindsight, you know, I probably could have been a little pickier, and I could have looked around a little bit more. But you know, I think this is relatable. We feel like, no, I have to have a job now, and you're going to offer it to me, then I should take it. Um, I should be grateful to have this opportunity. And um, you know, no, I'm not going to negotiate my salary higher. And you know, yes, I'll just I'll take whatever you're offering me. And you know, as a young woman, uh, early in her career, you know, in hindsight now, I can definitely see that was one of these times where this was the offer. And I felt like it might be the only one and I needed to take it. Um, so there was definitely that. And, and part of it was in my first advertising uh, role at the first agency I was with in San Francisco, I worked on four or five or six different accounts in the less than two years that I was there, um, was promoted there, you know, got the chance to move around, worked with a lot of different teams and a lot of different clients, kind of expected that that's what um, would, would be the case in this next in this next role um, and whether it was just the way that agency operated or if it was because of the recession, um, you know, I got in on one account, you know, was able to split my time onto two accounts, but instead of, you know, 50% time here, 50% time there, it was really 100% time on both and, you know, working longer hours than I was expecting. Um, My husband's an attorney. He also worked downtown. We would carpool which means I was working his hours oh, no. and, you know, not uh, not making his his salary. So um, so, yes, the expectation, you know, was one way and the reality ended up, you know, not quite fitting that. And, uh, you know, maybe I could have stuck it out. Maybe things would have would have come around and changed. Uh, certainly, I feel like I did voice, you know, what my interests were. I was interested in in working on more cause marketing. Um, you know, some some uh, uh, accounts for some of our nonprofit clients. Um, but you know, business model wise, for an agency, I needed to be working on on the clients who who were paying for my time. So. Uh, at that particular time, at that particular place, uh, it seemed that I didn't have, you know, the opportunities to move around and really take advantage of some other um, other chances, you know, than, than maybe I would have at, in a different time and place. Did you uh, try and find another job straight away or did you stick with it and then that kind of led you in a certain direction after that? Yeah, so I was there for a couple of years total, I think, um, which you know, now seems a little bit short, but that at the time felt felt long <laughs> because of, of the way that it was. Um, and the I, I was kind of getting this inkling, you know, maybe I should look around, like maybe I should make a move, um, you know, but I was the, the truth was I was getting so burned out 
in advertising because of the environment that I was in. I didn't know if I if I wanted to go to another agency. I was afraid that it was going to be the same way, um, and that may or may not have been the case. But at the time, you know, that was my thought. Like maybe I really need to make a move, and and I felt sort of called to the nonprofit space, um, but didn't really know what exactly you know that might entail. Um, if I wanted to do marketing communications, if you know most nonprofits need fundraising development help, and I didn't really know if that was the direction I'd wanted to go. So. I kind of had was having these thoughts, but you know nothing was pushing me, you know, kind of to to really go for it and actually, you know, get my resume in order and start um, applying. But this particular moment was kind of a tipping point, um, which I shared a little bit with you before. But um, I remember vividly. Tell us, tell us what, <laughs> yeah. what what happened. So you were going along then and, and doing your job, and and just tell us a little bit more about the context and and what happened. Yeah. So. It was a February evening. It was cold and rainy, uh, and my assignment was to um, supervise a street team that was overseeing a launch uh, at a gas station. And so we had a few different teams out in the Metroplex, and so it was my job to to go um, out into the Dallas suburbs uh, to a convenience store gas station and, and oversee the street team. What's a street team? We would contract out with, uh, you know, uh, young adults, usually teenagers, young adults, and they would um, sort of be on the ground to, um, you know, to promote a product uh, in different ways. And so uh, we had a team out there. Uh, they were on site to have games at the gas station, to have free pizza. You know, we had balloons and we had, you know, a whole setup. Quite a party. Um, quite a little <laughs> bit of a party, um, except that it was this like freezing rain, February afternoon, evening, um, not really the best environment. Um, so the street team was there, but um, as a as the ad agency person, you know, we wanted to be there to supervise to make sure everything was going uh, was going well. So not the most plum gig. So that's you know not TV commercial, not a TV shoot, not uh, you know recording some great radio spot like I'm standing in the rain at a gas station <laughs> <laughs> um, with some cold pizza and you know that's balloons. the glamour of the advertising. Yeah, yeah. So so not necessarily glamorous, but more than that, it was really just sort of this out-of-body experience, like, yeah. this is what I'm doing. Um, you know, creating an ad that's going to go on TV uh, or go on the radio or go on a billboard very far from you, I found, is different than when I'm actually the one that's standing there on the ground intercepting someone on their way home from work, potentially, or, you know, their way to work um, on this cold, rainy night telling them they need to spend their hard-earned money on a Powerball ticket. Yeah, right, right, right. And so um, so that was just sort of this, you know, aha moment for me that uh, for me at this particular time in particular place, like this was not what I signed up for. Um, this was not what I felt like I was meant to do with my life, with my education, with my skills and talents. Um, I felt like I could do more. And, you know, I'm just one person, but um, I felt like, that was not where I needed to be. And so uh, that I remember driving home and I remember calling my husband and I was like, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm done. <laughs> I think I'm done with this. Uh, we'll see what happens. But right. So you'd had this out of body experience where, and, and I think in a lot of professional work, um, you can be quite detached from what's happening. And I think you alluded to that, you know, the work that you do gets executed elsewhere and, and it's not, you don't necessarily say, well, look, this is what I'm standing for, you know, doing a report or a spreadsheet and submitting that by email to somebody else or whatever it is. Sometimes you might see that come into fruition, but it's different than uh, the physical embodiment of what you're actually doing, which is convincing people to do something and standing behind that with your life, you know, with your, your time and your energy and things like that. And exactly. I think, was that kind of what was you were feeling with your out-of-body experience was it that kind of stuff yeah absolutely absolutely it was just uh you know i i've always been in my career very much a you know i wear many hats we roll up our sleeves we get the job done it's not you know it was never really a sense of oh this task is beneath me or you know this is um, you know, I do this, I'm not supposed to do this in my job. Um, so it wasn't a moment like that. It was just, um, exactly, exactly as you said, like, this is not, you know, just 
putting something out there and I can be detached from it. Like this is me personally standing here selling. And, um, and that was something that I wasn't, wasn't comfortable with, you know, with that particular, uh, product. And I know it's something that it comes up again and again, when you talk about the story of, of your life, um, you know, again, professional work, as you were saying, you do so many different tasks, disjointed tasks, and then uh, you have this moment of clarity. And uh, I know for me, you know, and I asked this question about how do you introduce yourself for a lot of reasons. You know, it's one that we get at a party. And as you said, people talk about their job. And I stopped asking um, people to to respond to, you know, what do you do? Because people are more than their job. <laughs> I think that's one thing to, to realize. But, but for me, I would start... I worked as a management consultant in strategy and operations and trying to explain that to people was just puzzling for many, many years. And I just started saying, I help big companies make more money, you know, and that's, uh, that's essentially what I do. That, that is in a few words, exactly what I was doing. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the, the economy that we're living in, et cetera. But the second part to that is, is that how you want to spend your life? You know, right. is that what, you know, here lies X spent, <laughs> spent their life helping big companies make more money uh, is there anything else behind there what else um you know did your life stand for apart right. from that so so that that was the the kind of thing so you, you'd had this you talked to your husband you'd got home and uh what happened the next day and the next week and yeah i and i can't remember the exact time frame now although i feel like i had february in my head and um you know maybe ended up making a change by May, maybe. So probably there in the spring, the next few months, um, started doing a little job hunting and, um, you know, was looking in the nonprofit space, but was also finding, uh, you know, for a lot of nonprofits, they are a leaner staff team. Uh, you know, you probably have a director of development or a director of marketing and you maybe have an assistant, but there's not necessarily all these levels in between, you know, coming from advertising, you've got the whole strata uh, to find a find a place to fit in and find you know opportunities to move up and so um, you know at that particular time nonprofits in in Dallas uh, I I didn't necessarily know you know where I would fit with uh, four years of advertising experience um, so the position that ended up opening up and um, was. Uh, a good fit for a variety of reasons was at my alma mater at SMU um, in in development, uh, but in an office of uh, what was called endowment and scholarship giving, uh, doing reporting to uh, the donors who had funded endowments for the university and then particularly uh, for donors who funded scholarships at the university. Uh, and that felt very meaningful to me because I attended SMU on scholarship um, and with need-based financial aid, I never would have been able to attend a university like SMU without that financial support. Uh, and so I, you know, particularly being a few years removed, having been working, uh, I appreciated at, at the time I was in school and certainly appreciated it even more uh, being on the other side. Uh, and so this felt like, okay, um, you know, a, an opportunity to give back, an opportunity to say thanks and to be involved in, um, you know, uh, something good and something better um, while getting some, getting some development fundraising experience. Uh, to perhaps inform, you know, what might come next uh, in the nonprofit space. And so uh, that ended up being a, a, a good fit for that time. Uh, SMU was in the midst of um, a big campaign and celebrating its uh, centennial as a university. So that was an exciting time to work there. Um, a major benefit uh, of working there was to be able to pursue a master's uh, and tuition benefits as a staff member. So I took full advantage of that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. So you did a master's degree and what was that in? Uh, so it was uh, a Master of Liberal Studies, uh, and I focused in human rights and social justice. So it was a chance for me. I'm, I consider myself a, a lifelong learner, you know, always loved being in school, a good student. Uh, and so I also found myself um, in that position working, um, you know, which was great and had its busy seasons and cycles of reporting. But also I found myself with a little bit more time to work with, you know, compared to my previous job. And so uh, I was looking for, you know, what else could I do that is stimulating? And after working for a few years, it felt good and nice to get to go back to school and to be back in that kind of learning environment versus a working environment. Um, and it was also a chance to, um, you know, take some of those courses that I uh, didn't necessarily get to take in undergrad with my double major that was more professionally focused 
uh, to be able to, you know, take history classes, to take human rights classes, um, you know, explore social justice, uh, literature courses, and, and how all of that, you know, comes together in a holistic way. Uh, so, and, and to be a few years older, have some more life experience and context to really appreciate it and put behind it. Um, and, you know, to be in a, in a school program because you want to be, not necessarily, you know, just because you have to be there. Um, so all of those things, you know, combine to make that a really uh, enriching experience and, um, you know, to, to, to come with the master's at the end of it um, without paying tuition is always, <laughs> always a plus. Did you know where you wanted to go, what you wanted to do next? Or do you follow your interests? Or what, what was the decision process? Because even if it, without tuition, a master's is a lot of effort, as, a, as anyone who's done one knows. Sure. Um, I, I think I was following my interests. And, um, you know, the thought was if this can, if it can benefit me professionally, that's fantastic. But uh, I felt like I had been pursuing you know, the professional career and was interested in, you know, something that could sort of satiate that other part um, of learning and of interest and, and learning for learning's sake. And so uh, I think that what was what was, you know, driving me um, at that time. And while I worked at SMU for five years and, and switched over to the Cox School of Business, uh, and so particularly once I moved over there, then the question was, well, really, you know, do you want to do your MBA uh, while you're here? And, and you know, that uh, potentially would have been a more, you know, lucrative choice, um, but and, and rigorous in a different way. Um, and, and at that point, I felt like with my professional experience, you know, I could continue going, uh, you know, down that path with my career in a good way. Uh, but this was a chance to to enrich enrich myself in a different way. Uh, that that is complementary, and that it's all related. Um, you know, certainly liberal arts can inform. Uh, help us be critical thinkers and can inform, you know, the work that we do in a lot of different disciplines. Uh, and I definitely felt that way uh, in the program. And I felt like I learned so many things that I hadn't learned before in my coursework, um, particularly related to human rights and social justice issues uh, that were never really covered in other courses. And so that was very eye-opening to me. And then, uh, you know, really did solidify, um, you know, what I maybe wanted to do next uh, working in higher ed was very fulfilling and enriching in a lot of ways, um, but I still felt like there was something else I could be doing. And what what was that next thing? What about um, sharing this, you know, your friends and your parents and, and, and others around you? What was their view about this journey that was going on? Were they like, don't do it, get back <laughs> in there and make some money? Where's our retirement coming, coming from? Or were they supportive? Or, or They're very, yeah, very supportive. Um, a couple of my friends actually came to my graduation, which was super sweet and, and not uh, not expected and not required by any means. Um, so they were very supportive. And I think, um, you know, I'm in a, a friend group of, of high achievers. Uh, so there are doctors and lawyers and, you know, people in prestigious places. Uh, and, and you know, so, so that if, if I were really concerned about comparing, you know, the names and numbers of my degrees with my friends, you know, I'm, I may not get very far. So, um, th but thankfully they are not people that are overly reliant on, on those credentials. And so um, everyone was very supportive and, um, you know, and interested in the, in the journey. And, you know, it, it, it was, it was, it was work. It was, you know, what I chose to spend my free time outside of work doing. Um, so it was rigorous, but, um, you know, but not as rigorous as an MBA or a law degree or, you know, something like that. So um, I enjoyed what I was doing. I enjoyed reading the books and writing the papers. And so um, even though it, it was was rigorous in its own way, um, I was glad to be doing it and, and enjoyed that and enjoyed the, um, you know, sort of switching of hats from this is this is what I'm doing at work and then this is what I get to do um, in the classroom or outside of work. How much of this was, um, you know, making who you wanted to be a reality through what you were doing and how much of it was by doing it, it may, the, the other way around, if you know what I mean, like, like actually having the experiences and, and, and doing that said, yeah, this is really me. That's a good question. Um, I, I do think there was some intention at the beginning, you know, feeling like this is a you know, learning experience that, 
you know, is different than advertising is different than, you know, fundraising or communications. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I want to broaden my perspective and broaden my experience. And so I'm, I'm pursuing this, uh, education because of that. Um, but then certainly getting into the coursework and really having my eyes open to some areas, um, you know, particularly in the human rights space, you know, learning about genocide that uh, I had never experienced. It was sort of a little bit of a joke in my uh, friend circle. You see my bookshelf and you, know, you see the reading list and it's pretty dark and depressing uh, at times. Um, but it was eye opening because, you know, I felt like, you know, we all have the, the some of the challenges and, um, uh, you know, things that we have to overcome in our lives. Uh, but overwhelmingly, you know, I have been able to experience quite a bit of privilege and good fortune, you know, growing up where where and when I did uh, and thought I was a pretty well-informed person about global issues. But, you know, being able to sort of dive deeply into those issues and subjects uh, with the faculty there, um, really consider them and, you know, and also consider why haven't I learned about this before? Um, why aren't we talking about these issues? Um, you know, that that experience, uh, you know, opened my eyes more than I expected that it would. I didn't, I don't think I went into it thinking I'll study human rights. It was getting in there. Um, you know, Rick Halpern is one of the amazing faculty at SMU, um, taking his courses and, um, and other faculty learning from them and learning what I didn't know and what, you know, what we should know and what we should be talking about, even though it's difficult. Um, so that, that, in, that was, I wanted to broaden my horizons, but that, you know, went sort of deeper and wider than I expected it to. Yeah, I think you can't always predict what's going to happen. You know, you go in maybe with a, an idea or a direction about where you want to go and then, and then you get into the details and it's something even more or just different from what you expect. But what happened then? Yeah, so I think it, you know, at this, at this time, uh, you know, I'm cautious about not changing jobs too much, you know, and not not just leaving when something, you know, gets hard or it, you know, isn't fun anymore, those types of things. Um, you know, but I, I feel like in this uh, discipline and, and just the way, you know, the world is now, as every, everybody says, you know, people aren't starting at a company, retiring from that company with a pension. Um, and, you know, in the areas that I found myself, it was often, you know, you have to, to move on to move up. And um, not only that, not only not, you know, just about a title, but to have new experiences and new challenges, new opportunities. I was fortunate being at the university, I, you know, could move into two different areas um, without, you know, changing the employer. And so that was really great. Um, I was at SMU for five years. Um, but also at the time that I was there, you know, external factors happen. Um, and so it, again, just sort of felt like, okay, well maybe, maybe this is the time to think about moving on. Um, you know, had, had some feelers out, but, uh, you know, looking for a job is a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Uh, it's a full-time job on top of your job. If you know, you're fortunate enough to, to be doing it in that order. Um, so, you know, I was just kind of seeing, seeing how things went. Um, and uh, a friend of mine just shared this job posting with me. The job description sounded great, a director of marketing position, you know, looking for just my experience um, and that I could bring an outside perspective and some, you know, some corporate experience uh, to the nonprofit area um, I thought could be valuable for them. And, uh, you know, for me, it sort of felt like this perfect melding of okay, I've done, I've done advertising, I've done development, I've done marketing communications, I have this human rights and social justice degree, and now here's a job looking for a director of marketing for a health and social services nonprofit. Um, this could be a great fit. So, uh, so I pursued it, but you know, with some of those cautions that I've never heard of it. Um, you know, I don't know what their budget is. I don't know what the opportunities are. I don't know if I'm what they're looking for. Uh, so we'll just have to sort of, you know, go with it and see what happens. Um, and I think kind of to your point earlier about identity and, you know, putting so much of that on what we do. I mean, it, it is a little bit of an adjustment, particularly in this high achieving uh, sort of friend group and, um, you know, social, uh, social professional areas to, to launch into an explanation of a place that no one's heard of, you know, with a pretty 
pretty narrow, but also very broad uh, scope. And so, you know, there are more prestigious places I could be working and more, you know, blue chip organizations. And um, I, I could go back to the corporate side and probably make a lot more money. Um, and I'm aware of all of those things. And, and who knows, you know, what will happen down the road. Uh, but for now, it's such a cool feeling to feel like this is a pretty perfect blending of my skills and my past experience and my personal passions and interest. And there's actually a job out there that <laughs> exists and that I could maybe do it. And um, so that's, you know, sort of how it has come about. And uh, I've been there for about two years now. Um, and, and that has been a great experience with great people who are passionate and who are kind and uh, who, you know, truly want to work together and be a team and be a community and to sort of, you know, walk the walk and not just talk the talk uh, and who also are living out and working in, um, you know, social justice, activism, advocacy areas. And so, you know, it's taking things that I learned about in a book but can actually see in action and be part of, um, you know, even if just a small part in, in the work that I'm doing, but to be part of that community and, and, um, and to learn from that every day has been, has been wonderful. Looking back over your journey to now, um, I'm just going to throw some words out there. Some people talk about serendipity, you know, there's the famous Steve Jobs, you know, when you look back, everything seems connected. I mean, just some perspective on that. Compare how you explain your story now to how it felt as you were going through it and what have you learned from that? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think at the time it always felt like, okay, either either this is what I am doing because it's what I'm supposed to do at this point in my life or, you know, this is what I'm going to do because I'm at a little bit of a crossroads and I need to make a decision about, you know, which, which path I'm going to take. Uh, and it, and it did feel very linear and just sort of, you know, okay, I'll start this and I'll see what happens and get to a point. Okay. Now maybe I need to reevaluate it or, you know, now this is the natural time for something new to happen. Um, and since being in this job and, and, and to have some intentional chance to reflect, um, because that is built into a little bit of the work that we do, um, which is also different, you know, than some of the organizations that I've been with. Um, so I've appreciated that. But, you know, so having those opportunities to reflect, having, you know, 10 plus years uh, of experience behind me now, which, you know, is still early, but is enough to, to really be able to reflect upon. Um, I do feel like there's a little bit of a full circle uh, element to it. Uh, you know, whether things are meant to be or, um, you know, it, it's how it turns out or it's how we make them. But um, even even full circle back to the, yeah, when I was a kid, I thought about being a social worker or a counselor, um, you know, I, I kind of remember those, yeah, as a kid, I like to write stories and read books. So, you know, perhaps the fact that I do some storytelling and, and I am writing and, um, you know, helping other, other organizations tell their story, good, there's some, there's some connection there. Um, but even back to, uh, you know, thinking about what to do in college and to think about, oh, you know, when I grow up, I want to help people. What, what does that look like? You know, could it be counseling? Could it be social work? And I didn't go in that route specifically, but I'm working in that space after all these years and it feels very natural. Um, and I'm, and I'm able to do that in a way that I can bring, as I've said, you know, the skills and talents and experience that I have, um, you know, to those organizations and work with them and alongside them, learn from them, but also to share, you know, my side of things um, is, you know, a good fit for me. And, and that probably was a long time coming. It wasn't just, you know, okay, I thought about that two years ago and decided to move into this organization. There's actually roots of that, you know, from many years ago that I wasn't necessarily actively considering, but now once I think about it, make a lot of sense. And so, um, so I do appreciate that. And I think I have more of a, an appreciation of that just with, with years, um, and, uh, having more of a community focus versus just the individual driven focus, you know, which I think I 
had to have that orientation for a while, you know, just doing college and, you know, getting a job and getting started in your career and, you know, really focusing on what you have to do, um, what you bring to that. Um, and then, you know, hopefully getting a little bit older and wiser and realizing we're not, <laughs> none of us are an island. We're all in this together. The connections are important. Um, and, and, you know, they, they, they make sense and it is sort of a, a holistic journey. When you look back at this, um, do you have regrets about the, the path that you've taken and uh, asking that in a, in a more positive way, what do you wish that you knew back then, if anything, that would have changed the path that you've taken or not? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I do think about, you know, some of those, um, you know, the decision to, you know, not just to change jobs, but to, you know, move away from advertising and the agency world, you know, was I making that decision because it, you know, really was what I felt called to do? Or was I deciding that because I felt burned out and I felt, you know, bullied by mean clients or, um, you know, I was just frustrated that I hadn't gotten a raise in a couple of years. Uh, you know, those things were part of it. Uh, and, you know, I was, I was, yeah, I'm still young, but I was young uh, and, and, you know, still fairly green in my career. And so I sort of think, did you just need to grow a stronger backbone? And, you know, did you just need thicker skin? Could you have sort of fought through that? Um, you know, could you have gotten to a point where you could have, you know, had a little more agency and, you know, really vocalized what it was you were looking for and made that happen? Um, but you know, if this feels like the natural progression, it feels like where I should be. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I don't think it was the wrong choice necessarily, but I do recognize, you know, those times, especially earlier on in the career where, um, you know, as a, as a young person, as a young woman, you know, I don't think I necessarily, you know, stuck up for myself as much as I would like to think that myself now would. Um, and, you know, to be able to, to, to ask for what I want and need and to recognize that, uh, I deserve it and that, um, you know, I have the experience to back it up and, and the credibility of that. Um, but I do, I do sort of wonder about some of those things. Maybe I could have gone to a different agency. It would have been a different experience or what if I'd stuck it out there for a little bit longer and I could have ended up on, you know, some other, some other path. Um, but you know, we always have, we all have those sorts of, uh, questions and we, you know, I trust that that usually uh, the right one prevails and it, it's it's what's supposed to happen. Um, but I do take those learning seriously uh, for for whatever comes next and, you know, to continue to inform me and, and strengthen me in my decisions and um, to to trust that my experience has value and that, um, you know, I do know some stuff and that I, uh, you know, I'm good at what I do and, you know, I can trust those instincts and, and, you know, stick up for myself when it's, uh, when it's appropriate. I think you're already starting to answer the question I'm going to come to in a second, which is kind of, you know, maybe uh, advice for others and advice to your younger self. So I'm going to get there in a second, but before we go there, um, you know, I think, I think it's always interesting and it's very real. You know, we've got this kind of illusion in society that people, whatever they're doing now, they're fully formed. They come out of the womb and they always wanted to do it. They were doing that. They're successful and happy and all that sort of stuff. Whereas absolutely that's not true in a lot of cases. And it's difficult along the way to get there. You put in a lot of hard work and there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of personal growth required a lot of times to get there uh, over time. And, and certainly I can say for myself, I spent a long time uh, in, in a career and uh, which had many great aspects to it. I traveled around the world and worked with lots of interesting people and and you did lots of interesting work, you know, was stimulated by that. And now I'm doing something different and, and I've gone back to square one. And in some sense, I'm, you've gone from a quarter of a million people organization to a one to two people organization right, now right. and uh you know nobody uh, you know people are only starting to find out about it and, and that's definitely a different experience than working in a big company so mm -hmm. i'm like oh i don't think anybody that's ever made the changes said oh you know i wish i'd taken longer to make that decision right, right. right. <laughs> it's the opposite it's like well i wish i would have uh, you know 20 years ago done this but 
you can get caught up in a, in a circle of that because you're a different person. Everyone would like the knowledge of their older self and their, 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 their younger body and what experiences would you have missed out in in life. And, you know, I met my wife at work. Right, <laughs> and, uh, right. and then uh, and then shortly after that is uh, started on a more focused path on, on, on uh, working out what's next. And mm-hmm. that's led me to, to what I'm doing now. Coming back to the, the question now, given all of that, what's um, – you know, what life advice do you have either for your younger self or but just for our listeners? Yeah, um, I, I think that's right. I think obviously we have a lot of pressure on us most of the time for, you know, what we feel like is successful. And, um, you know, we have those real life pressures of needing to pay the bills and to keep a roof over our head and, um, you know, support our families and, and all of those things. And so, um, you know, we absolutely have to take those things into account. But I do think it's important to to try not to get so caught up into what that idea of success is, you know, what we've been conditioned societally to to understand as success. You know, I feel like I've always been a, a driven person, an achieving person, you know, a student, you know, hard worker, always wanting a pleaser, you know, to, to please my teachers and please my family. Um, and, you know, and, and I think that that is a big part of my identity is to, you know, that as being successful is to always, you know, be moving up and to be recognized for that. Um, but, but, you know, with, with time, with age, a little bit of wisdom, um, with yoga, probably over the last few years, like, I appreciate balance, you know, so much more than um, than I did, or you know, that I thought I needed to, um, and and maybe success is being able to take some time away from 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 that, you know, sort of striving, um, and you know, just to be able to to be present and to to see the little things, and I guess that you know sounds a little bit cheesy, but I think that there's some real value to that because the constant striving is is not sustainable for a lot of us or you know i think i think when most of us would look back that that maybe that path you know would not be the way we had wished we had spent our time and so uh i think i think it's important to find that balance sort of in every day and the balance between you know what what we think success looks like or what the world thinks it looks like and what that really means for us um, you know, knowing that we have to like do all of that in the real world, but <laughs> to if, at least being aware of it and thinking about it, hopefully injects, you know, a little bit of that balance into your life. And that's, that's a good thing. That's a first step. The next question is about Dallas. And I ask all the guests about, you know, trying to explain most of those people listening to this around the, the world. And I, I think I have to say hello to people in Japan and Finland and Romania and Australia and UK and, and elsewhere. There's a list of places where people are, are listening in from. How do you um, how do you explain the, the heart and soul of Dallas and has how you've seen Dallas changed as you've been through your own personal journey? It's a good question. I think, um, well, you know, sort of the first the first step and experience I had with Dallas was coming from a small town in Oklahoma, uh, about 35,000 people. Uh, So Dallas was a big city, you know, when I was starting out, when I first came down here for college. Um, You know, one of the pieces of uh, advice or questions that I got coming to SMU was, you know, that's a rich kid's school, right? Um, And I was like, sure, whatever, you know, there's rich people everywhere. There's rich people in my town of 35,000 people. But um, but that's a different that's a different kind of wealth than uh, so those people present. have libraries named after them <laughs> no, and yeah. buildings and art centers. We, I mean, I, I guess most towns <laughs> do, do, right? Yeah, 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 yeah but yeah. It, it's a different scale. Uh, so, so Dallas, you know, come coming to Dallas, that was a, certainly coming, you know, coming to Dallas, coming to SMU as a financial aid scholarship student. Um, that was certainly eye opening and and a little bit of a, a culture shift, um, and so you know, Dallas has its flaws, uh, certainly is not without them as, as you know, all places do have their flaws. Um, so I think that there, I mean, there is that, that wealth, there is sort of the conspicuous consumption, um, sort of this idea sometimes that, you know, Dallas wants to be <laughs> New York or LA, it wants to be a, a city, you know, that, that is different or more than what it is. Um, so there, there are some of those, you know, challenges, but 
Um, I live in East Dallas. I love that neighborhood. You know, we um, moved there nine years and and are still there and, and love it. Um, you know, Dallas does have culture. It does have, you know, uh, that deeper layer that's not, you know, shallow, shallow and surface level. Um, it has that, but you know, you have some, you might have to work a little bit harder to find it. And once you do, that's really enriching and you have an opportunity to be part of it and build it and, you know, to really, um, you know, experience that maybe, um, it, it could be more accessible to you in a way that, you know, in a bigger city, maybe it's not, I don't know. Um, so I think, I think it does have its, uh, have its flaws and its challenges, but, you know, we found it to be a good home, um, you know, cost of living that's better and more reasonable than some of those other cities. So, you know, we are able to be comfortable here and, um, to enjoy, you know, other, other aspects of the city. Um, being, uh, here at the Grove, um, was kind of fun to come back down here because I had, uh, I, I have this sort of a distinct memory in college of, um, again, you know, sort of being the small town Oklahoma girl. Um, I didn't have a car when I was here on campus, so um, I didn't, you know, drive around the city as much um, as, you know, maybe some of the other students did. And so I was sort of on campus quite a bit of the time. One of my classes uh, was exploring uh, was kind of this blend of uh, English literature history course um, that was examining the JFK assassination. And so one of our assignments for class was to uh, to go to the Sixth Floor Museum a, a few different times uh, for research and to visit. And so I took the DART um, down, uh, downtown to, to go visit since I didn't have a car. Um, and, and you know, it was, it's not that, you know, transformative of a moment, except it really has stuck with me that, you know, here I was, this small town girl, I was taking the train down into downtown Dallas, you know, to, you know, experience sort of part of this history, um, you know, this living history of the city. Uh, and I just, you know, that was just a small moment from college that still sticks with me of, you know, the way cities can uh, sort of be alive and, um, you know, be impactful in your experience. For the listeners, uh, we've alluded on the show a couple of times already, but the where this uh, co-working space is at the Grove is across from Dealey Plaza and the Grassy Knoll. Mm -hmm. So um, we walk past that every day to, to get in here and it's certainly something in the subconscious or the, even the conscious of the city that uh, you know, is, is interesting to explore and I'm sure mm -hmm. we'll continue to do so on the um, to explore Dallas's past but also its future. Um, uh, you got any plans to move away from Dallas or are you going? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, we've always, uh, we've been potentially open to that and, you know, not having some of those things that, uh, you know, might tie you down into a place, but, um, like plants and pets and <laughs> like, children. right. Those, those <laughs> plants. We covered that at the <laughs> That's start. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so no, I think, I think we're, we're here for the long haul. Um, we love East Dallas. Uh, White Rock Lake is my favorite, uh, place in the city. Um, I love to walk, uh, walk over there, um, and, and get that little bit of nature in the city and, um, and, and diversity, that's one of the places that I see some of the most diversity in the city is there uh, at the lake. So um, I think, I think we're, we're here for the long haul, for now at least, and, uh, and are you know, enjoying, enjoying being part of that and, and you know, finding ways that we can be more involved in the community, and at least for me, um, you know, find ways to volunteer, ways to get connected and you know, know my neighbors and, and, um, and be involved. The lake, the White Rock Lake, comes up a lot. I've certainly written about it a lot and talked about it on the show. And for some reason, and it's going to happen in coming coming episodes too, I know, with our, our guests uh, planned to be on the show, um, seems to be a magnet of people are, are around there. It's a different type of Dallas. And yeah. there's many different types of Dallas, but it's a lovely reflective spot with interesting things going on that's slightly different from, from where we are in other yeah. parts of Dallas. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I've... Um, we would go on vacation um, often to cooler climates and um, visit friends in Colorado and like to do hiking up there. And uh, there was this one year that we did this 10 mile hike and it was so fantastic. And I was sort of thinking, well, if I can do this hike in the mountains, I can walk around the lake <laughs> that's a mile away from my house. Um, and yeah, it's a good reminder that you don't always have to go go far to, to find that little bit of uh, peace and rest and, and nature in your backyard. I read that you were involved in a in a suicide walk. Is that is there any specific reason for that 
cause in particular? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. Um, so I lost my mom to suicide 11 years ago, um, which is actually two months before I graduated from college. And so um, I'm uh, only child and, um, you know, we were pretty close. Um, struggled with depression for a long time, um, you know, had, had a lot of challenges uh, through her years. She was 46 years old. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's been, you know, kind of part of my journey in uh, a variety of ways and, and, and is a layer <laughs> really to everything I've kind of talked about. Um, you know, she, she didn't go to college, so it was a big deal that I went to college and she was very proud of that. Um, and, you know, not having her here and feeling like I'm, you know, living in her memory and in honor of her life and everything that she, you know, gave for me and, and loved me, um, that drives me to be, you know, to try to be the best version of myself um, and to do good with, you know, what I've been given, to be grateful, um, um, to be very grateful for, you know, the life that I have because, you know, many others are not as fortunate um, and, and, you know, many others are not able to live their full lives. So, um, you know, her, her grieving her loss um, and, you know, dealing with, with the aftermath of that was right in line with graduating from college and starting my career, you know, moving to California. Um, you know, it was sort of the best of times and the worst of times, you know, sort of really exciting highs, getting engaged, getting married, you know, starting, you know, my life with my partner, um, doing all of that without her um, being there um, and knowing that she would have been proud um, and, you know, obviously being very, very disappointed that she, she was not there uh, to be part of it. So, um, but, you know, Suicide, you know, there's still such a stigma um, with suicide, with mental illness. Um, and, you know, so it wasn't something, it was, you know, something that people that were close to me knew about, but was not something that I would just, you know, talk about in small talk or random conversation uh, or a podcast <laughs> um, in those earlier years. And so uh, I feel very fortunate to, um, you know, to be at a place uh, 11 years later you know, um, I was 22 when she died. So, um, you know, to be a little bit older, um, to have that perspective, um, and to be comfortable, be more comfortable sharing about it and talking about it. Um, and part of that was being involved with, uh, the American foundation for suicide prevention, uh, AFSP, which does community walks. Um, they do an out of the darkness, uh, walk, um, and an overnight, out of the darkness overnight walk is their, one of their big fundraising efforts. And so um, that name is significant because we're, we're trying to help bring, um, you know, mental illness and, and suicide, you know, to, to break the stigma and, and to make that less of a taboo and, and to bring that out of the darkness. And, um, you know, they have a lot of great um, research and advocacy work that they do, um, as well as, um, you know, education and awareness building work, and then as well as sort of healing and, and support, uh, support group work that they do in local chapters and around the, around the country. So, um, so yeah, we've done two of those, uh, overnight walks, which are 16, 16 plus miles uh, at night. Uh, it came to Dallas in 2015. Uh, and then we, we did that in, in, uh, just last month in Washington, DC. So, um, it's a really, really great organization. I've been uh, proud to to work with them and grateful, you know, that uh, just just being part of a walk to have to fundraise for it, it gives you an opportunity to talk about it and to, to sort of make that feel okay and, and make that easier um, and to connect you with others who, you know, who have been through something similar that you may never have met otherwise. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to be a small part of their work. Thanks so much for sharing that, and and I certainly did not know that. So, um, and and I guess thanks for putting that on, uh, on online, is because I think there's there's definitely something to, um, you know, sharing who you are and and what you're interested in and what you stand for in in all sorts of life. And uh, I hope this podcast, as has happened surprisingly a, a number of times uh, on the show so far, I think it's we're doing ourselves a disservice to only talk about you know our jobs and kind of <laughs> this persona of uh, how to be successful and what that should be and 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 not show that we're vulnerable and we're human and we're, <laughs> these things happen to us and i think it's a nice message about 
this conundrum or paradox that, you know, it's never late, too late to change jobs or to change your life in a way that is meaningful and, and you're going to live out to your 70 or 80, 90 or I think some stats saying 100 now for, for people mm -hmm. in their 20s now. Uh, it's never too late, but we are living in a, in a fixed era of time, a period that we're going to be on the planet and, you know, we have to deal with that as well. That, that Whether you want to say that you need to seize the day or, or just be a be real hey you know there's right. no there's no time to be to be messing around and delaying right. that before coming to terms with um you know reality of who you are and the, the world that we're living in and to try and react to that in whatever way yeah absolutely we've covered a lot of ground already is there anything else you want to leave the the listeners with i don't think so but thank you for this this was a real treat and um Glad to have met you and glad to have had this chance to chat a little bit. And, and thanks th for the work you're doing. No, thanks. <laughs> and also thanks for, for doing this. I put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, <laughs> after after talking, it's, it's such a privilege to hear um, people just speak about their, their lives. And, um, you know, was, uh, I'm grateful to have met you a couple of weeks earlier here and, and to put you on the spot mm -hmm. to do this because getting this on, on air and sharing it with other people is the, the way to get the word out there. I mean, um, so I, I appreciate that you actually uh, <laughs> walked in for a chat and then Absolutely. have decided we've done that with, with, a, with a few hundred or thousand people that are listening. So. Yes, thanks for listening. Thanks so much. <laughs> Take care.